Hey, hey, I am Crumb Chocolate, and welcome to another episode of Represent. You know the vibes by now, content season. Hope you all are enjoying yourselves. Football season is over, and we are breaking bread over here, bringing on a fan of a top 10 team, and we chat football. Shall we get to it? I would like to welcome Dave of Wicked Spursy Podcast. How's it going, sir? Hey, Kronk, I'm great, man. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, where are you in the world? You can keep it pretty general if you want. And uh, how did the pod get together? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, so I'm located in the state of Vermont, uh, up in up in New England, northeast corner of the country for anybody who's, who's not from the U.S. Although I'll tell you what, when I moved to Vermont from the Midwest, uh, people asked me, hey, what state is Vermont in? So that kind of gives you a, a sense of... Um, people who used to be geography teachers like me, you know, how well we did our jobs. But anyway, um, I do the Wicked Spursy podcast. Two of my buddies, Mike and Steve, we we got together connected to one of the, the supporters groups for Tottenham Hotspur that is was based in this area. And we decided we wanted to pod. So we started about uh, two seasons ago. We just finished up our, our second season and it's been a pretty enjoyable experience our audience has been growing and we've been able to have some some cool guests come on and join us and learn a little bit from from some folks so having a good time you aren't the only pod that is like measured when they started by seasons Ah. and that's brilliant but the only problem is we started in february you just call that a season, right? You just finished your yeah. first season, you know? <laughs> we finished our first season. Right? I mean, th- uh, think about it. A TV show, they have, like, their their pilot season. It might be a little shorter, and the next one's a little longer. So it's still yeah, season one. you could definitely call it a, yeah, you're a good. pilot, what we were doing, and this is now, like, a <laughs> crossover. <laughs> hey, can I, I ask you this? Old, can I ask old. you this about, about yours, if you don't mind? You know, we had this experience where we started out really kind of scripted. You know, we kind of plotted everything out. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's how we're going to do it. And we found that we kind of sucked at doing that. And so over, over time, we just kind of ditched our script and we make it up as we go. What, what's that look like for you guys? Do you, you tend to keep a pretty good structure? Do you keep it free flowing? How does, how does that go uh, on Shades of Blue? So the way that the pod works is uh, I kind of narrate it. Uh, so I do the lead in and start the conversation and then I let them hop in. So I basically tell them what we're going to talk about and that's it. I don't, so I write my script and then uh, like leading into the question and stuff. And then once dialogue starts from there, then I'm just like freestyling and using notes and stuff that I've taken. Yeah. So uh, me, yes, them, no, I have to allow them the free flow to not like overthink, especially because they're all brand new podcasters. There was no like first practice. The first practice was the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun though, right? You, you learn as you go. Yeah, no, and I've truly enjoyed watching them grow, like uh, as personalities, comfortability, uh, like us as friends. Like it's it's been very nice because my previous pod, it was just me talking about how fucked the world is. And like that's just... Right. A lot. I would much rather be talking about football with the homie any day. Yeah, no question. And we found, you know, we started obviously middle of the pandemic and uh, the three of us had never met in person, even though we started potting. So we we met through this venue and got to know each other. And now we can make fun of each other. And that's that's half our pot. It's just kind of kind of banter and, and ripping into each other. But, you know, it was probably a good 
nine, 10 months before we actually sat down and met together in person, but also felt like we knew each other because we had been, we'd been interacting like this and you can, you can still get that done if you, if you focus on, on the relationship side of it. So that's been good. Hey, I, maybe you guys can meet up live in person champions league final next year to watch, uh, watch Spurs beat city in the champions league final. How's that sound? Man, I feel like <laughs> I, I would say that that would be the earliest dig of this, but I did a United, <laughs> I did a United episode with a friend of mine, and he started six minutes before the episode even before we right. even started that episode. So it's hey, like, I'm we're, I'm, we're I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> no, I honestly, I I love it, especially because I I there are a few uh, people I haven't been able to get a hold of. And I understand their apprehension because kind of like smug of someone from like city to be like, Hey, you want to <laughs> come on my pod and talk football? And it's just like, but I'm honestly, I, I just, I really just want to talk football. Like it's, it's all love. Like if it's during the season, I mean, honestly, I'd still, I would still like to grow the pod and bring you guys on if we end up in big matches, uh, cup matches and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Cause for one, I mean, we're, um, well, I'm an American and I can tell from your accent, at least you've been in America for long enough to sound American at least. My, my uh, whole life, yep, yep. Yeah, and so it's like, uh, we don't have that that birthright hate of teams sometimes. I feel like something like this works a little bit better for us instead of maybe being contemptuous because, you know, there's all this like upbringing and knowledge of each other's small cities and ways to talk shit to each other that yeah most of the time just go way over my head <laughs> no question no question it's funny <laughs> it's funny you say that there's a, a guy i used to work with who's a big time arsenal fan he just grew up supporting arsenal right and and he and i would talk football and it's like we should despise each other that's those are the rules we're not supposed to get along but yeah, being Americans, being dis- detached from that. Yeah, there's. We all understand rivalry, right? And we know what that means. You know the the animosity and the venom that could be there. But it's also like, hey, I, I'm okay with you, man. We we can like different teams, and uh, you know, I don't have to like your squad, and you don't have to like mine, but we can still be cool with each other and yeah. enjoy the conversation. Yeah, now, like, like if it's a cup final, or like we're one and two, and then literally it's up to the last match. Get out of my face for this last week. Fair, like, fair. Yeah, like stuff like that. But once that match is over, like you motherfucker like, we'll <laughs> but like the, the love for the the team is real <laughs> I, I i love and respect you i will murder you for my team <laughs> <laughs> that is but, fair uh, how did you become a tottenham fan in the first place? yeah you know so i i don't know how unique my situation is um i mentioned to you just pre-pod so i grew up in the chicago suburbs and um I am a big, obviously I'm a Bears fan, which I know you and I, you know, might have beef over, but again, we're cool, <laughs> but I'm also a huge White Sox fan and uh, they're, they're my team ever since I was a kid and uh, good times and bad times. And, you know, growing up Midwestern kid from America, I kind of did the three typical sports, right? Like baseball, basketball, football. Those were the ones you did. That's what you did in school. It's just how it was. So I had a lot of experience playing. I had a lot of experience coaching. Um, with my own kids who are college age now, you know, I thought, oh, they'll do the same things. And they started to make different choices. It's like, huh, okay. You know, you, you can still have fun and learn good things without doing the same sports your dad did. And that kind of opened up my, my perspective a little bit. And a few years ago, you know, my, my work was, um, incredibly stressful and incredibly political. And I decided that I, I just needed some sort of, some sort of mental reprieve. So this is about six years ago. 
And I, I had a kid at the at the school that I was working at, young kid, one of those fantastic soccer players. His name was Malik, and he was one of those like kids that traveled around and and you know had um, had tryouts with like some of the MLS you know youth teams that type of deal. Mm. And I was talking to him because we we'd spend time together on occasion. I said, "Hey, I'm thinking of maybe getting into soccer. I'm thinking Premier League." Is that the right call? And, you know, I figured this nine-year-old will give me good advice. And he's like, yep, you're, you're on the right track. Premier League is the way to go. I'm like, all right, cool. So then I um, I used to be a history teacher. And so then I started, like, researching. And so to go back to the whole Chicago White Sox thing, I, I decided I wanted to identify a team that was from a, a large city. Um, so that that removes a lot of options. I wanted somebody that had a natural rival that I could dislike and and kind of have that that natural tension that exists. Well, you know, N seventeen has a little bit of that going on with the the red and white sides of in North London. And and I also, you know, being a White Sox fan, you get used to a lot of disappointment and the the sweet times are even sweeter, right? And and so I I knew that and this is not to cast judgment on anyone who supports a team that's wildly successful, right? But I knew that a team that was wildly successful, like the man you clubs of my youth that every other kid, you know, would, would support. I didn't want to do something like that. I wanted to pick somebody that was kind of on the on the edge of that and, and showed potential because that was the, the type of team I was drawn to. And crazily enough, this name Tottenham Hotspur started speaking to me. And so I, I had like done my research and picked my team before I even ever watched a ball get kicked and uh, decided that's going to be that's going to be my squad. That's going to be my club. My problem was I didn't know anything about soccer or football. I, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, I did not understand what a touchline was. I didn't understand offsides. You know, <laughs> I knew football offsides, right? But I didn't understand, um, you know, world football offsides. And so first year or so, I just was trying to learn. Like, you know, I'd see referees make make calls, and I didn't understand why they made the call they did or why they didn't make a call. And I just was taking it all in and processing. And over time, have become competent enough and uh, gotten, to know, gotten to know my club enough and gotten to know the game enough that – I can have a, a reasonable conversation about it. And, and I love it. You know what I mean? Had had I picked any other team, I'd probably feel the same way about my club that I chose because I love that club. But I'm a Spurs man, and uh, that's how it is. And uh, hopefully one day I'll have, like, grandkids and I can, you know, raise them up the right way from youth instead of being a, an adult convert like myself. Maybe not so now, but, you know, when I remember became a fan, when you became a fan a while ago, uh, to become a Premier League fan was – like having to watch matches, having to like keep up and figure things out. I mean, we still have like the time difference now, but it was like less possible ways to even watch the matches. There was like for years I had to go to this place. It's called High It's like a grocery store, but some of them yeah. have restaurants in them. And yeah. one specifically had a bar and a television. And since they had a lot of, it was a smaller city and they had uh, a lot of third shift workers. So they start serving at 5 a.m. So I can go in for like a 6.30 a.m. match and I'll have like breakfast and a beer because technically it's like noon there. It's one there. And so it's like, eh. And, and so uh, that was how I honestly became a city fan. Like a lot of my uh, city shirts are fucked. They're like letters are yeah. coming off because I was young and I had no idea how to like properly you know, right. clean them and stuff like that. So I just <laughs> wash and throw them in the dryer and stuff like that. And they're all stained. All my scars have like stains in them because I've been at like bars watching them by myself, like just having the best time. And 
at first I was like embarrassed by the shirts because everyone like loves showing their like nice shiny crisp things, but mine show that you know that I've been through it. I've had these for years. Like these aren't brand new. Like that's character. These aren't brand new. That's <laughs> like, character, man. Heat up as fuck. <laughs> Come on, you can you can put those on eBay and, and get a good good dollar for them, right? Like oh, people. Oh, oh. I, yeah. <laughs> what I would get rid of my first uh, city shirt I got was. Uh, 2012 away company shirt. Nice. So that was like my first like city shirt with a name on it. Uh, before that, I got like a basic one. I found one at Marshalls in St. Louis once, and that was like <laughs> the most amazing thing. I was at a Cardinals game, and I was like, "Let's go into those Marshalls because you know why not?" And yeah, I found some like Packers pencils and a city <laughs> shirt. I was like, "This is." The greatest trip ever. <laughs> That's fantastic. I read today, Vincent Company, uh, Burnley manager. You see that? Yeah, I'm excited for Company to get the chance, but I'm not really a fan of Burnley. Yeah, I'd like them to stay yeah. down. Honestly, I yeah, stay in the championship. I'd be good with that. Yeah, so it's like, can he have success without? Like, I feel like if he gets them up into the Premier League and maybe has like one more good year after that, he'll go somewhere else, and then sure. I can like truly reform but like sure at least for one year i won't have to release actually who can, every single match it's going to be shared on city stream uh city twitter because they love the man and i love the man like but i don't like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> i can't understand why at all really can't <laughs> let's get into the five question segment of the podcast uh, yeah first question is Best thing about being a fan of Tottenham. Best thing about being a fan of Tottenham is learning how to manage your emotions and <laughs> not getting too high, not getting too low. I think there's some some fantastic life, life lessons in being a Spurs fan. Um, you know, we, we recorded just last night and and I was talking talking with my guys about, you know, there's right now Spurs are in a in a good period, right? Spurs are on um on an upward ascent, we could say, where's that going to go? Who knows, right? There's a lot of variables that that play into um, where it finishes. But you know, the the building, the uh, the climbing towards the peak, that's where the fun is, you know. And um, I look at a team like City, and, and zero disrespect, man, like there's there's an inherent stress in having a team where nearly every player on the squad is world class, and you're supposed to win, and you're supposed to win everything. Because when that doesn't go well you know how it feels right and and the the intensity is uh really really palpable so for me um, especially right now there's joy in kind of what feels like a, a positive era around spurs um there's a climb climb towards something we're, we're gonna see where it finishes like i said maybe it's a uh, champions league and you and i are, are hanging out somewhere in in may or june next year you know seeing how it plays out but i'd love love to have it happen so the part about always City always having to have like the target on their back. Yeah, every single mm-hmm. club team that they play is always going to give them their best. And mm-hmm. Their best doesn't necessarily always mean they're going to come out and come at you. Sometimes that means they're going to put almost everybody behind the ball and just try to not lose to us because to a lot of those, a lot of teams, that's beating us. And one thing I will always respect about you guys, you motherfuckers run at us. <laughs> and it's always <laughs> to the detriment of us. Um, it's, and, there's, it's something else, and especially the last few years has been crazy. Yeah, and you said uh, 
they do appear to be a upward trajectory. Uh, Conti is a great manager. Uh, you're doing a couple of very money-saving, smart transfer moves. Uh, Bistuma, uh, yeah. the why can I not think of his name? The uh, winger you guys got on for free that you guys are bringing uh, in. Perisic, 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 from, uh, yes, Andrew, yes, yes, yeah. yes. There's yeah, talk he, about talk about Jed Spence. It sounds like that's approaching the finish line. You know that that kid's a stud. Like there's yeah yeah we're we're doing some good work right now uh, and, and you, spending that and money you, well. Yeah, and you have a solid team. So I mean, you really just need to like fill in parts and find people who want to grind because, like you said, that's kind of your playing style. Uh, that's kind of what you're gonna have to do anyway to. Uh, Break the Tottenham curse. Is is that a thing? Do you feel that that's a thing? Because uh, on our last episode, a real episode of uh, Shades of Blue, we did a like pre-transfer uh, ranking, like basically how we think the season will end before yeah. all these transfers happen. And yeah. I had Tottenham at two. And I had multiple people be like, what are you talking about? Tottenham are not going to do that because they fuck up. And I'm just like... No, like eventually they have to break through that, right? So, how do you feel about the top numbers? You know, I think so. Again, I'm going to go back to to my youth and where I'm from, right? Um, the Chicago White Sox supposedly had the uh, the curse from throwing the the World Series in in 1919, and that so they didn't win a World Series for you know like 70 years, right? Uh, the Cubs had the curse. The Black Sox? Is that yes, exactly. The, the the Black Sox scandal, yeah. Um, the Cubs, you know, uh, they had the alleged Billy Goat curse. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, if you're, you know, if you know anything about Boston, you know, they had the curse of the Bambino from selling Babe Ruth, right? Like, to me, all those things are real in the minds of fans, but fans aren't on the, on the, on the field or on the pitch playing the game, you know? And um, I, I tend to believe that professional athletes um, are where they are for a reason. You know, we, we, we often forget that these guys are at the top of the freaking world when it comes to, when it comes to what they do. And uh, I do think that teams can have lapses in mentality. I think teams that can have lapses in mental strength. And I think we definitely saw that with Spurs, especially as the Mourinho era. Well, no, let's, let's back up at the end of the Pochettino era, you know, Spurs were broken, right? Like, Coming off, coming off the Champions League, um, Pochettino was a phenomenal manager, but he, but he'd driven those guys into the ground, and they just hadn't had the time to physically and mental recovery, and they, they were broken. And that led into Jose Mourinho coming to town and doing what he does, um, which broke even more guys. And so I think that that lack of mental fortitude can kind of get forced onto teams sometimes, but I don't think that there's such a thing as a, as a curse. I, uh, I think that teams are constructed based on the money that their, their, uh, leadership is willing to spend based on the, the plans and the strategies of the managers. And, um, let's be honest, sometimes you either execute or you don't. And in the end, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. And, uh, sometimes that comes down to things like money and strategy. And we've been on the wrong side of that at times, but we've been on the right side of that at times. You know, I think if I look at city, you know, you've got you've got a easily one of the the top two or three managers in the world you've got players coming off the bench who are among the best in the world at their positions uh by the way kevin de bruyne love that guy um i'd i'd take him on my team eight days of the week no question uh 
couple other guys that are on city that are talked about to come towards Spurs. I'm not as, I'm not as big a fan of like Gabby Jesus and that type of thing, but you know, I'll take De Bruyne any day. Um, but you know, look at where city is, right? It's, it's the right combination of having the dollars to spend, making the decisions to say, yep, we're going to go for this, having a coach that is incredibly skilled and has good strategy. And you got incredible players. And when you combine all those things together and you keep those guys thinking right and looking ahead in the right ways, good things are going to happen. You know, uh, your your problem with City is there will be times that they're not number one, so they're number two, and that feels like crap. But you also know that there's there's a cycle to to all of that, and uh, it goes up and down. And we've seen that definitely happen across the past what eight ten years. You know, we've we've seen that that cycle in play. Am I throwing too much at you, man? I don't. Am no, I talking no, City too no, much? No. All right, cool. No, this is fantastic. Uh, what I was going to say is a lot of Tottenham's success. Really has come at you know uh, cities, you know boss. Yeah, and it's to this thing is uh, we see city, or we see Tottenham struggle. Perfect example against us, you uh, guys were struggling, and then Kane pulls you know like prime, like exact Harry Kane like. And he does that, and you're just like, where did any of this come from? Like, why are you doing this now? Yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's just because people bring it to City. And, and I respect and, but, that. But I will say, you know, um, well, first of all, like, if we look at the two Spurs City games this year, you know, the, the opener, how you guys lost to a Nuno Espirito Santo team is beyond me. Like, you know, you're going to have to explain that one. But, Let's just move on past that one. All right. But but the, the second <laughs> one, the second one, right, we were up. You guys came back. Like, it, it looked like that was City's game to, to take. But then I'll tell you what, man, I, I was watching this earlier today, that the sequence of how Spurs moved the ball around for about 90 seconds, just, just the passing was beautiful. Um, some of our January signings really, really mm. – um, Helped yes. us out. And, yeah, watching Kulisevsky with that cross into Kane for that header opposite corner, it's like, all right, you can't argue with that, man. That was beautiful football, you know, and, and that was, uh, of course, it was great to be on the, the positive side of that. And, by the way, you're welcome um, for what we did with Liverpool because, you know, that helped that helped lock things up for yeah, City a little no, bit, I think, right? I do appreciate that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Tottenham are playing y'all's football, it's – Truly unstoppable. It's one of the more, un- especially with like Sun, like just give him open space, like the thing, like not even open space, just let him run. And like the man is a magician. Like, you, like how you said you would say Kevin Sun would replace or he would fit in the city like perfectly. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he would. He it. So he has a lot of attitude, even though he likes to act like he's like this cute, cuddly teddy bear. The dude is prickly as fuck. And I actually like love that about him. Yeah, he can be a little petulant, right? Like he mm-hmm. can when people are getting getting after him, sometimes he'll lash out. That always makes me nervous. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago they were playing Everton and he he kind of got salty and lashed back out and broke a guy's leg. And yes. uh, yeah, yeah. it's like, come on, son, why you got to do that? And then when they when they red card him, you know, he acted like it was this yeah. major well, affront and to And he him. starts, like, crying immediately. Yeah. And we're just like, bud. Like, we it's like, him. yeah. I feel like there was, like, a city match that he, like, did a kick up. Like, he, yeah. but he said he was, like, aiming for the ball. And when he got, like, carded or even sent out for that, he was, like, crying also. And I was just like, bro, like, we get it. Uh, Gabby is very similar. 
Like, yeah. he'll lose the ball and he'll come flying back and just take the dude out. Like, not even yeah. go after the ball. And we're just like, <laughs> like, you're right. Can you go after the ball at least? Like, we get that you're angry that you lost the ball, but like, yeah. we had people in front of him like who could have stopped it. Like, there was no reason for you to do what you just did. Yeah. Why well, you got to be that guy, right? Yeah. And it is yeah. very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, let's make me smile a little bit. What's your worst memory of Man City against your team? Honestly, Crunk, I can't give you one. And the, the reason is what we've just been talking about very recently. I, 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 I think – I think my team has done remarkably well against Man City, at least during the era where I've been a Spurs fan, which is the last five or six years. Um, Move this man! <laughs> that's good. I like that. That's good. I, I'm going to have to see what else you got. I'm going to try to give you some oh, more I opportunities. I got a All lot. Right. I've, I've been trying to decide if I wanted to break it out and – you know, you just there are a couple things you said. I was like, all right, I got, got to do it. You got, got to do it. You know, I think I think the what I like the least about playing City, let's put it that way, is for me those matches are always it always feels like City's on the verge of doing something. Even when City's not playing well, it always feels like you know the skill is there, and you know that your team has to play well and they have to be on their game because if they slip up, they're going to get a foot on their throat. You know, and and that's. That's not fun. Those games don't feel good until they're over, right? So for me, that's the the worst part is kind of the the sitting through the angst of man. I, I hope we hold on here. We we got to leave, but boy, it feels good when it works out at the end. When you know Fernando Lorente takes one off the hip, you know, in a in a in a Champions League game, um, right? Like that stuff feels really good when you don't. It's really that. it's really funny because uh, Charlie was supposed to be here for this episode. But uh, he wasn't feeling well, and that match that you were speaking of is literally yeah. his like most traumatizing moment as a city fan. I, I so get happy it. he isn't here because <laughs> he would have just lost it. <laughs> like, I, it just I get it. Over for him. So like I'm, and, I'm happy we're there. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that VAR has been wrong, but VAR has been unkind to City when it comes to Spurs matches, right? Like there have been so many situations where something could have gone a different direction um, if it were just a referee making a call on the pitch. So that, yeah. that's been interesting. How about you? Like, let me flip that to you. What's what's your worst uh, your worst Spurs based memory uh, beyond maybe that Fernando on the hip thing I just talked about? Honestly, it's the whole Kane. Saga nonsense because mm. I didn't want him in the first fucking place. So you didn't, for, you didn't. No, no, he's old. Like, what <laughs> city need to be? And obviously, I'm older than him, but like, and we're talking like sports, uh, right? You're calling a 29 year old guy old, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, city need to lower their age at right now, yeah. and so like, him coming in, he would just be another like a just slapping silly putty over a hole. And I mean, like it would be like commercial level putty. Like it would be like, yes. For High the, grade like, stuff. Yes. For the two years that we would, two, three years that we would have him, he would be fantastic. But I just want someone that, you know, we could have grown with and we got the guy and we had to like sit through this whole year and, you know, potentially lose out on trophies, but you know, the whole world is open for us next year. Uh, so I really did that, and then honestly, I just like every match against Tottenham. Like I just like they're <laughs> the team who like I'm not worried about United. 
uh, not worried about Chelsea. Like yeah. obviously Liverpool, they're like we respect them, but City have a pretty good record against them. Like yeah. Tottenham, like they are just the people. Every time I see them, I'm just like, fuck, because anything is possible because we have experienced every emotion playing Tottenham. So it's like anything can happen. So really, it's just like anytime I we face you guys, it's like. Fuck you guys. I'm that's, not going to have a good day. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. You know, I will say, um, and maybe that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I appreciate you, you bringing up the cane thing. You know, a year ago, I, I got to admit, like, I was of the mindset watching how Harry Kane handled all of that. I don't know if you recall, yeah, but he at was, the end no, of the year, on both sides, he was kind of, yeah. Shit. At the end of the season, like he was doing interviews, m- making it look like he's gone. It dragged out all summer long. Um, he ended up showing up late for for camp. You know what I mean? Like he he handled it like a scrub. And and I really I wanted him gone. You know, I I thought, hey, you're either here or you're not. Either get in or get out. And um, honestly, it took a while this year for for me to get over that. He started slow as he always does. Anytime he's coming off a a layoff or a time away or an injury, like he, he needs a long run in before he gets back to being Harry Kane, which is a phenomenal world-class, I'd argue the best striker in the world and among the best number tens in the world, because that's just the, the skill of player he is. But I was pissed at him, man. Like up until about Christmas time, I, I wasn't back on the Kane bandwagon. Um, it was good to see him. I think Conte showing up did a lot for Harry Kane's mentality and got him refocused. And he realized like, buckle down and play for your club and, and, you know, you might be able to achieve the things you want to achieve, but you can't be playing these games and, and teasing people, you know? Um, but it's interesting to think like, what if, what if city had, had offered 150 mil last year, you know, I, I bet Spurs would have sold him for that much. And so if yeah. he's your, if he's your striker right now, where's Holland go? You know, like there's a lot of interesting questions that are, that are baked into that. That And the thing is, interesting to see. I, I still think they would have got Holland. I just don't think we would have like gotten Julian Alvarez. Though, like Holland was coming to City, like that was going to be a thing. And the problem with Kane is, I don't know how he would have handled like Holland coming in. Like, fair, fair. And in theory, in theory, you would think that that would be like the best thing ever for him. But you guys have never really gotten like a proper second striker, like a no. proper backup, and that could be a re- me being a Packers fan. I understand that with Aaron. Like, yeah, right. like having a proper backup, that like relationship, that dichotomy. Uh, and I actually think that that's half the reason why Holland and Alvarez were brought in. Like, I think Pep really wants to like make our practices intense, like so intense. Like, I think he, because that's the only way you can really keep people focused. We've had a lot of people for multiple years who have had a lot of success. And I fit, other than like fatigue, there are moments where, you know, they weren't able to, like, push through that wall. And yeah. I think yeah. they need more, my word is, mentality monsters. People were like, yeah. I see this wall, we're at this wall, but fuck that wall. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Yeah. And Diaz, that he was that guy, but he was hurt a lot. So you, there's only so much yelling you can do on the side of the field, <laughs> especially over Pep. <laughs> so uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing the transformation that's going to come with these uh, incoming players. You think uh, if, if city signed Kane last year, do you think they would have spent a hundred mil on Jackie G or would that one have been, uh, would have been passed over? No, I, yeah, I don't think we would have uh, went for Grealish and I definitely think they got Grealish 
they were looking at the Mullins, but I definitely think they had the money to spend and they needed a win because the whole yeah. there are many things that city are trying to break through and you know that whole if uh we don't get the guy we want we kind of like crumble or don't get anything and stuff like that so they wanted to at least get something to help break through with that and i think this season i think that was the importance of signing alvarez and having that be announced and Holland being the worst kept secret and the, all these rumors of all these other players that City are going for, like, I, I think that was very purposeful in uh, their actions and their own media that they're pushing is like, we are no longer feeling guilty for our money and our success. We are now out to fucking kill. And mm-hmm. I love that and i am been pushing that we need to just accept that we are the quote-unquote bad guys like i get it manchester overall they're nice hard-working industrious people we get that we're talking about football team and what city represents like it or not it's bad guy behavior and so just like <laughs> fucking accept it like we can be nice guys and the players are nice guys and we all know that. but people are going to talk shit about us they're going to like play with numbers and like make up all these scenarios and stuff like that. So just embrace it. Just like hit everyone with a so what? Like quit arguing with everybody. That's so much wasted time and energy. We're the bad guys. We out here. <laughs> <laughs> I see you puffing up, man. I, I, I see it. Don't worry. I'm not afraid. I'm good. I know. Believe me. I know. Believe me. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm just over everyone. City cakes too much ass for us to be like being pathetic. I guess <laughs> I you know. You know, it, it, it's funny, and, and not not getting into like other club hatred, right? But you know, I think hey, about we can get into that anytime. I don't care. Yeah, we can. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. Like, um, and again, I don't have this issue talking to friends that I know that are supportive of, of Arsenal, but it's really interesting to watch English people talk talk Spurs Arsenal together, and like the. The whole like classic shut down the conversation. Well, well, what have you won in the last twenty years? You know, Crunk. I don't know about you, but nobody gives a shit what I did twenty years ago, right? Like nobody's <laughs> nobody cares about how cool I thought I was back then. And so let like let's not end a conversation over what you did a long time ago. Like let let's talk about what's going on now. You can either be good, bad, or in between. Let's just have a conversation. Um, and it just it frustrates me when you see people not even able to have the dialogue because they have to scream the loudest. Shut everybody down. Like my opinion is the only opinion, and the rest of you can 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 go. You know, do whatever you're going to do. I, it drives me crazy. I'm not okay with that part. And also, when you start like glory hunting, then that's when I'm just like, all right, you lost this argument, bud. So yeah, I might. That's actually when I, in my brain, make a conscious decision to either back away or immediately turn into a troll and just be like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're shit housing. All right, we're shit housing, bud. <laughs> So I'm gonna come in here and act like I'm sincere, but I'm shit housing, and I'm just gonna keep shit housing. <laughs> like, right? Like I'm so awful. Uh, yeah, shit. Yeah, shitty teams. The only team that I like really loathe is Liverpool and uh, Chelsea. And Chelsea's really is just because I, yeah, just don't. Like and also they're blue, and it's just like you aren't 
the better blue. So it's just like it is. It's a different shade of blue, that's for sure. Yeah. Right? You guys are white, so like it, your main color is white. Yeah, I know you have some blue in there, so you we know, do have some I'll, blue. I'll let you guys do your thing. It's a good solid navy. I'm I'm a fan of the, of the spurs. <laughs> a nice blue. strong color. That's right. Solid. <laughs> um. So uh, next question is: What is yeah. a myth, a thought, a belief, a nary of Tottenham that you would like to dispel? You know, we we were talking uh, the last two pods we've done on Wicked Spursy. We've we've talked about it, and it's the word Spursy, which I'm sure is a name or a word you've heard, right? Um, and we we chose that as our as our pod name because I wouldn't say we wanted to reclaim it, but we kind of wanted to sort of redefine it. Um, you know, oftentimes you hear that word applied as bottlers, which, you know, is, is an English term. We don't use that one much here, but we all yeah. understand what it means. You know, chokers, mm-hmm. you know, people who, who fail in the finals, you know, that whole type of thing. People that won't won't kind of meet the, meet the mentality needs when, when you have to be, you talked about a mentality monster, when you've got to kind of, kind of step up and own the situation. And the reality is um, I don't subscribe to that. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't put any, any stake in that belief because again, I think, I think those curses and those collective mindsets are, are fan based. They're not player based. They're not professional, professional football player based. So we were talking actually just last night about like, Spursiness to me, Spursiness to us is about like, it's about hope. It's about the prospect of great things, right? It's, it's about that, that building something good and feeling like you're doing it the, the right way and, and making good progress. Things that, things that in life feel good. You know what I mean? No, nobody really wants to accomplish something, um, in an underhanded way. And I'm not saying, you know, just because people accomplish something, it's got to be underhanded, but it feels good to accomplish something the right way. And, um, to me, that's that spursiness is is kind of going about your business in a way that's gonna gonna work and last over time. And I'm sure some people are gonna respond to that statement with some some troll like behaviors. And truthfully, I don't really give a crap. It's all it's all good with me. But I like redefining it whenever I can. And it's so funny that you even said the trolling because I'm the complete opposite. I'm sitting here like, God damn it, is he humanizing Tottenham in my eyes right now? Is this come on you? Come on over, man. This. No. Hey, we can we can be your we can be your second favorite club. We have we have room for for seconds. No, like I said, you guys have put too much trauma, football trauma, in my life for me to like truly ever really. Uh, it's one of those things when I see you guys, like it's like, hey, you are so I'm like, uh, and it, and it could also be because of the U.S. Like you guys, uh, Crystal Palace, were like a lot of teams that were shown a lot. Yeah, television. Palace a lot, very much. Yeah, yeah. Never understood. Yeah, and so it was one of those things I saw Tottenham, I guess, too much to ever like, like to have too much like hatred towards them. And I, I saw the the way that they played, and I, I, it was like tidy, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was almost a little, it's too tidy. And then all like the super crisp white, all white. Sometimes (laughs) I'm like. It's too much. It stresses me out. I, I hate wearing white, so let alone watching dudes run around and slide on brass and white. It's just it's too much. No. I mean, you can see I'm rocking my, my Galaxy kit here, yeah, but, it is um, nice. which I, I love this, but I have this personal rule. I can't buy a Spurs home kit because it's it's white. Like, I'll get I'll get chicken wing sauce on it or, yeah, you know, like, one. spill like a beer on it. Like, just not happening. So, yeah, it's all it's all away kits for me. I, I just don't do the home whatsoever. Next question. 
elevator pitch to someone new to the Premier League, you bump into someone, they're like, hey, I want to get in the, the Premier League. Why should I choose Tottenham? Because I know you're a Tottenham fan. What would you say to them? I would say if you like bigger, faster, stronger, and the highest level of football in the world, there's only one league to, to pay attention to. You know, the, the other leagues to me are leisurely. Um, the other leagues have fixed team or two at the top, generally speaking, and there's really nothing else down below that. And one thing I love about the Premier League this past year especially it's really competitive. You know, of course, there are teams that put up big points. And in the end, when you look at the table, it maybe doesn't look as competitive um, as it actually was. But I kind of feel like every Premier League match, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And you don't necessarily know when that bad team, like you said earlier, you know, when that team that's just going to sit in a low block and defend, you don't know when they're going to pull that off. And when the best team in the world is going to have a hard time breaking down an oversimplified defense, right? Like that type of stuff to me is exciting. That's what makes the league fun. This past, this past season, the way the, the season finished, you know, going down to the, to the final day and watching everything play out that way was, was an absolute blast. So to me, bigger, faster, stronger, best in the world. What else would you want to watch? And then I'm sorry, I terribly phrased that, I guess. Uh, why should people uh, choose Tottenham? Oh Tottenham yeah. League. Yeah, why, why, why would they like the Premier League? That's of course, uh, that's great. I'm gonna leave that in though because you did sell the fuck out of the Premier League. Man, uh, maybe I mis misheard you and spoke about the wrong thing. But use that. You can go anywhere you want. Yeah, why Spurs? Yeah. You know, um, why Spurs to to a neutral? I think it goes back to all the things I talked about earlier um, when I tried to define Spursiness to you, right? When I tried to dispel that rumor, um, there's always the prospect of glory. Right, there's always the chance that they're going to make someone miserable that they're that doesn't want to be made miserable by the miserable by them. There's always a chance that they're going to be made miserable by a Burnley, or by a Palace, or <laughs> or by a Southampton. Right, but um, with Spurs, there's always a chance. And every once in a while, you catch lightning in a bottle, and and the the circumstances start to line up, and the chances get better and better, and you go on a run. And um, the other piece I would say is, you know, again, not being at all critical to teams that are historically across the past decade good, not not casting any judgment. But to me, there's something it goes back to my choice. There's something about not choosing the teams that are supposed to win. Right. Like um, to me, you want to choose a team that's got a shot to, to make something happen. And uh, that's exactly what Spurs are. And we, we're in a window where. I think we're going to see a little bit more and more of it. And what you're going to see is because of people like Kane, because of people like Sonny, because of some of their higher profile and um, globally liked players, you're going to see more kids start to hop on that bandwagon, right? Like the Spurs do a phenomenal job in Asia because of the the sun thing. Like they, they've got that market locked up. They're doing their, their preseason tour this year uh, is a Korean based tour because that's where Sonny's from. Right. You know, they, they are being wise the same way United was in the 90s with trying to become a global superpower uh, from a marketing standpoint. They're doing that same thing, and that builds that builds builds some energy and some synergy to things. And uh, if you're going to pick a squad, I think now's the time to pick Spurs. Like I said, you can come come on over if you want. No, no. <laughs> uh, I understand him doing that. Uh... Korean preseason tour, you'd need to make all the money back to pay that damn stadium off. So, I mean, 
go where the money is. I understand why he's trying to like bring in people at the most affordable. You got to save the money where you can. Absolutely. Uh, And speaking of saving money, uh, how do you feel about Mr. Levy is quite a unique person in football. How do you feel about Mr. Levy? First, was that Jose? Is that is that the voice? Mr. Levy is quite a unique person in football. (laughs) It took a minute to process that man. That was Mm -hmm. that was coming through. I told you um, I got sound. I, I got sound clips all over the place, and I just randomly add more and more. I, I I like not every Spurs fan agrees with me. I am a fan of Daniel Levy. Um, I am a fan of what Daniel Levy has done with the club over a a twenty year period of time. I am not a fan of what I often uh, think are actual anti Semitic um, affronts that get get thrown at him. He is called words that are. Um, that are that are dog whistles uh, for anti-Semitism. Mm. You know, he's called shrewd. He's called mm. clever. He's you know, all these things are used to describe the way he approaches his business. In reality, if you look at the long game, um, look at the Spurs that that Enoch took over twenty years ago, and look at where they are now. It is a world apart, and that's because incremental business has been done in a way that is making that club sustainable and built for the long term. You mentioned the stadium. I mean, obviously, none of us anticipated COVID, right? And that was a big hit to finish a stadium and then, boom, shut it down. And all that revenue is gone. But that's recovering. You know, you're seeing that this summer. You're seeing Spurs spending money, and you're seeing the ownership group willing to spend money because the revenue is coming in because they have the revenue-generating options out there to to start to become a big club. Um, I don't think Spurs are a big club yet. I don't think they'll be that until they – they have world-class players uh, too deep in every position. That's kind of my rule of thumb. But when it comes to, to business practices, when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to the long game, Spurs are a big club. I think they're a club that can and should be emulated because that that model they followed, um, although it's upset some people along the way, that can be replicated in other places. It, it's just about making making the right moves and doing things doing things the right way. So maybe a contrary opinion, but that's mine. No, and it's one of those things – when Leicester and all these other teams, they, you know, they get players at uh, affordable prices. They are being, they're like cheered. And, you know, when a supposedly top four or top six team does something like that, they get just like, why are they like that? And it's just like, no, bro, like we got here for a reason. And, you know, that's like saving the money where we can. I, and that, I guess that's kind of a good thing of, being an American fan, like, also, like, I don't, I guess I don't know or didn't care enough that to find out that he was Jewish, like, I, I just see the moves that they make, and he makes just, like, financially conscious, like, even, like, the Harry Kane thing, where he was just, like, he he technically didn't want to get rid of Harry Kane. Like yeah. plain simple, he didn't because like how are you gonna replace like this? Yeah, why would you? And all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, all right, a hundred million. Oh, you guys will pay that? Uh, okay, uh, 125 million. Oh, you guys will still pay that shit? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 then. Nope, won't pay that. Hey. Pay then 100, 150. That's that's his price. <laughs> Take it or leave it. And so it's like I, I get it. Like it's it's just how the game is sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, right? That stadium. You know, there's there have been rumors that they're close to a naming rights agreement, but those rumors have been out there for two or three years. You know, you know that's going to be a couple hundred, three hundred million when that lands. Um, you know, there, there's again, there's revenue revenue to be made um, as a result of the the business decisions that have been made along the way, and I 
I think it's good. I like it. All right. Next question is, who is your favorite player from Tottenham of all time? Yeah, so a little bit of a maybe a surprise or maybe an unexpected um, answer here. My favorite player, I don't know if anybody knows this because I've never verbalized this this way, is Danny Rose, if you know who Danny Rose is. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, when Kyle Walker was with Spurs, um, you know, Danny Danny was on that other side on the left. And what I love about Danny Rose is um, he had a, a, a cool attitude. And I don't mean that was always a great attitude, but he had a cool attitude. Um, he was skillful. Um, and as his career was slipping away from him, w- which it clearly, clearly has across the past few years, um, in fact, I don't even know if he's still with Watford. Uh, he, I think he started the year there, but I want to say maybe they released him. But what I, what I loved about Danny Rose is he, um, he was open about some of the mental health dynamics that he faced. And um, as an athlete, as a black athlete, um, as, a, as a high profile person to talk about that is, is a big deal and that's important. And I was, I was impressed and, and proud of that. I also loved how Danny Rose, I don't know if you watched the, uh, the Amazon documentary on, on Spurs, you probably did, but one of the, one of the pieces of that, that was cool. Although I did watch the city one, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, one of the pieces that was cool was Danny Rose, like went into Mourinho's office and told him what he thought. And then like when Mourinho, Mourinho was being a prick to him, he's like, well, I'm going to talk to Daniel, you know, like Danny Rose, even though he was probably the wrong move to make and probably sealed his fate with Spurs. Like he wasn't backing down. He, he did his thing. And the final thing, I don't know how publicized this was, but in his final um, few months with Spurs, you know, they clearly were done with him. He wasn't, he wasn't even seeing the practice field and they, they sent him down to, to work out with the U23s and he, he hung out with the kids and mentored the kids and like put time in, you know, out of the public eye, didn't get any attention for it, but like actually put time in like coaching these, coaching these young guys while he was playing alongside him. And I've seen some video clips of like him showing up later on to their, their U23 and and U18 matches and just kind of the relationships that were there. That's cool. Like that was impressive. Um, And that was something I was, I was proud to see. So Danny Rose, favorite Spurs player. And of course, I watched that Tottenham season. All right, Jose, all right. are you serious, Jose? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm, I'm so excited for this Arsenal season. I cannot wait. It, it's a great show. I've, I've watched like all those like style of sport documentaries, and I'm like a sucker for. I've watched all like the teams and like like even the Juventus one, and it was all in Italian, and like I don't care. Like I just I love sports dynamics. That's kind of like, uh, uh, for some reason, I feel like I'm like synced in it. I did a lot of the things on the pod. Like, I'll be like, I was the first one on. <laughs> I need to find that clip, but I was like, I think we're going to have a huge overall. Like, we need to bring in like three, four, five, six players because we're going to be losing some shit people. And they're just like, Royce, you need to relax and look where we are now. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's just like, they're just things that have to happen in teams in order for things to grow. And it's like, if these things aren't happening, then bad things start happening. And City were stagnant, like, obviously through the season. Like, yes, we got the Premier League, and that's the best thing. But there was a point where we were looking at the quadruple. And I know we, the injuries and all that stuff added up. But it's like, I feel we fell flat on our faces 
when it comes to like the quadruple. We ended the season amazing, like very strong, and I'm I love the team, but like overall, like we did kind of fall on our faces and we'd have to pick ourselves up and like look around and make sure no one saw us fall down and like brush ourselves off and like start running again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which of those are the quadruple? Which one would you give up? Say, yeah, treble, treble's fine. Which one do you not care about? Is it FA? Is it Carabao? What is it? Probably the FA just because we had the Carabao for so many years in a row. It's like Loki became like our <laughs> even though and also I'm an, I'm an American so like I don't have that tie to the FA Cup that the English do so that's yeah, fair yeah. yeah and yeah playing in the Emirates like that's fun but it's like so well it won't surprise you I'd take any one of them but you know that's that's a whole different story <laughs> uh so the next part of this episode is uh overview of the season that just passed so going into the Premier League season as a Tottenham fan, how were you feeling? Horrible, right? Felt absolutely horrible. If if you went back to last August when that season was starting, we barely had a coach. Like it was, I think, two weeks before the season started that Nuno was uh, was named. And and to me, the best thing about Nuno was um, I kind of looked like the white version of him. You know, like very little hair, right? <laughs> Uh, but that that was about it, right? Like I think he, he kind of looked like me. Um, but the football was terrible. But but at the same time, like we had this this first month that went remarkably well. We beat City the first match, and I think we're on one three in a row to to start things off. And like it, it was this misleading, you know, positive start that then just fell fell off the rails. And so I mentioned earlier, you know, Kane was a, a no show, a literal no show for a period of time. Um, the guys were still confused in the post Mourinho era. It was just, it was rough. Um, we were broken. It was not, not exciting time. And then in November, Antonio Conte uh, comes on board, right? Like Very and, and pick up. a huge pickup, but, but that also comes with a lot of questions. You know, Conte has all the, all that reputation of coming in and demanding what he wants. And if he doesn't get it, he's going to walk. Um, which, which is entirely his right, but there were, were so many questions about, well, if you think about Daniel Levy and, and how how he has managed the team, you know, from an ownership standpoint in the past, will he actually give Conte what he wants? You know, is, is the track record there that that's going to happen? And those questions persisted. Conte was always coy about, um, you know, whether or not he'd be around for another year. He, he signed an 18-month deal. I don't know if you knew that, to finish out this year and for, for another year. And he was always like, I have a contract through next year and would never say anything beyond that. And he would just talk about how things were going to gonna go. But, you know, one thing we know about Conte Ball is he needs he needs wingbacks who can play defense and be attacking wingers. And it takes the right kind of guys to do that. And at first, our guys were not were not making that happen, but they hadn't been asked to do that. They'd, they'd been asked to be fullbacks before. You know, they, they hadn't been asked to engage in the way he was asking them to engage. As the season progressed, we started to see people like Matt Doherty, who had been written off as, as done, start start to show um, why he always was good as a winger with uh, or as a wingback with, with Wolves. And then he got injured, unfortunately. Um, we saw... Emerson Royal, um, who was picked up, you know, during the during the end of the summer and really kind of struggled through the year, but started to come into his own a little bit. Like he started to see these guys, even Ryan Sessignon, a, a, a young guy uh, who from Fulham and, and we picked him up a few years ago. He's had an injury history, but he's he's talented. He's fast. Um, he's exciting to watch. I love I love the kid. 
started when he could get a run a game and started to show some some form and some excitement. And so you started to see Conte ball taking place from from January progressing through the spring. And by the time we got to the end of the year, things for Spurs were really clicking. We had some tough tough bumps. We had losses to teams we shouldn't lose to. We had draws to teams we shouldn't draw to. And then we'd beat teams we probably shouldn't have beaten, right? Like classic Spursiness, if you will. But there was always that hope. There was always the prospect of, hey, we might just be making progress. And um, if you would have asked anyone in the world if Spurs would have finished fourth in November when Conte came in, very few people would have would have predicted that could be the case. But uh, a combination of our guys clicking on all cylinders, uh, Kane's son, Kuliseski, stepping up, midfield of Hoybier and Benton Kerr, um, really, really come together. A back a back three as opposed to a back four, which we had traditionally had been playing across the past five, six years, but a back three of Romero, who is a stud, uh, Dyer, who's who's really, really stepped up in the center, and, and Ben Davis, who's who's a who's a Welsh guy who was a an average left cornerback or left back and is a really good left-sided uh, central defender in a three. You know, like they really, really came together and made, made things happen. Throw in a little Arsenal just just blowing it because they suck. Um, you know, a, a few things going our way, and guess what? Champions League this next year, and and Spurs may just may make some noise and may make something happen, and that's the excitement that I'm thinking about as I look ahead. Did I just go into maybe maybe the the next question, or did I screw that up? There, you, right. I mean, you can. The next question is, what was your favorite moment of this season? Yeah, favorite moment probably was the, probably was the game. Um, you know, he he's a player who wants out and deserves to be out because he's not getting enough playing time. But uh, Leicester City away, uh, Steven Bergwijn. Three goals in extra time, you know, in like two and a half minutes, something like that. It was just, it was just fun and exciting to watch. I was, I was watching that match. Um, I don't know about you, but usually during the match with my with my Spurs guys, like we're we're on WhatsApp just talking smack the entire game back and forth to each other, just breaking things down, right? And throughout that match, we didn't deserve to win, and I was I was really bothered because. Because my guys were all like, "Yeah, we're in this. We're doing it." I thought we suck. This, this game is not ours. We're we're not going to win this. We we don't deserve it in the least. And then, like in this three minute segment of time, these these crazy things happen, and, and people are running around, jumping on people. You know, you're seeing Lucas Mora like jumping on the security. You know, like just just crazy stuff going on. But that 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 was such a quick turn of fortune, I guess is how I would put it. Um, that was fun, exciting, good good memorable moment overall. Bergwijn and Lucas Mora, those dudes, when they come on, they're just like a firecracker. Like they just like instant energy, instant attack. Like they know what they're doing. Like I know the term super sub isn't really appreciated by a lot of players, but like they, that's kind of it for them, especially at least where they are. I'm sure they could go to a team and be like starters and be the man. But uh, if you want to, if they want to be at like a top top team, that's what they should be and just embrace that. Like just come in in like the 65th minute and just wreck shit. It, it's interesting you say that because, you know, so Lucas Mora obviously has a, a place in Spurs fans' hearts because of Ajax in 2019, right? What what he did there. Like that's, that's, um, that's just one of those things that's imprinted on your mind. But he has he has a lot of he has a lot of negative qualities as a player, right? Like he he's incredibly fast. 
he is spurs through and through. He's excitable, but he's that guy who will always dribble into traffic and lose the ball, and you know it's going to happen, right? So that's frustrating. Um, at the same time, he he always seems to gain the trust of his managers. Uh, you know, every single manager he's had puts him on on the pitch, oftentimes as a starter. Over time, what you saw with Conte is eventually other guys caught up, and, and especially when Kulisevsky came in, like there was no place for Lucas to start. But I really think that's Lucas's sweet spot, right? Like you said, he is super fast. So when you bring him in at 70, 75 minutes and everybody else is tired, like he's he's flying. And so he's less likely to make those errors that are going to turn the ball over in traffic, and he's, he's going to wreak havoc. The problem with Bergwijn is um, in the same way that Lucas is content being that that bench guy and coming off Bergwijn doesn't want to be that he wants, he wants to be a starter and everybody's got that right. You know, you, you can, you can want that. And there's, there's a place for you. Um, the rumors are back, back to Holland and to, to Ajax for, for Bergwijn. We'll see. Um, but he's been like outspoken, like I'm out. I don't want to be here. I want more playing time. I'm a star. I play for my national team and I'm, I'm a superstar. I shouldn't be sitting the bench. So the, the mentality difference between those guys is, is really, really interesting to see. And, Again, to, to compliment City, one thing that has always impressed me is you have guys sitting on the bench who are world-class and could start for most any team in the world, but they appear to have wrapped their heads around what that role is and that sometimes it's your time to not start and, it's your, and, and you'll come on later and make your impact. And that, that's really, really important. I think uh, – so that was actually a thing have, I felt like – had to establish on sure. the team, though. Because I sure. felt, uh, I do, at the beginning of his tenure, there were times where, like, he would sit players, like, famously Aguero. He sat Aguero. Because mm-hmm. it really is, it's like, my way or the highway, like, I am bigger than you guys. Like, you might not think that, but I am. <laughs> and he comes in and he just, like, shuts things down. And now, when he, like, his whole thing with Sterling and Gabby and Bernardo and Jao, like we, there have been a lot of like clashes that he's had, but in the end, he usually wins them. I mean, we yeah. have Sane, but the ones that he loses, we send the people off, and then they lose the light that they had. Like Sane, famous, like I don't know where he is right now. Like he, I obviously I know where he is, but he's like. Yeah, he seems like lost. Like he's with he's with Byron, Byron, right? Yeah, he's at Byron, and yeah. he still plays on the German team. But like he's a shell of who he was. Like he's yeah. not dynamic. He's not making assists. He's not scoring. Like it's just sad. It's really sad, especially because you know we wanted to keep him and let him grow. But he thought he was the man. He wanted to go to Bayern and be loved by all of Germany and be like that young star and. He might be that in Germany. I don't know. I don't pay much to the Bundesliga like that. But uh, he definitely hasn't hit the heights that I kind of expected him to do when he went to Bayern because a lot of stuff should be – a lot of the stresses should be behind him now because now he's home and with family and yeah. had a team who, like, loves him and endures him and is paying him very well. So it's just like, just go out there and ball. But that raises an interesting question, right? Like, there's the question of – um did Pep break him or was he broken and did Pep see it? You know, and I, I would tend to be inclined towards the latter. Like, you know, yeah. there's, there's probably something that he saw, like the, it's just not there and made what needed to happen happen, even though it doesn't make any sense to anybody in the moment. Um, you know, 
guys like him, guys like Conte, guys like uh, you know Jurgen, <laughs> they're the best in the world for a reason, right? They they know they know players and they know when they've got it and they know when they don't. Um, you and I can can uh, critique strategy all we want, but we're we're a couple schmucks from from the Midwest who uh, you know just learn this as we go, right? <laughs> Uh, so next question, which you might be able to like get politically answer your way out of the shit too. Uh, <laughs> what was the worst moment uh, of the season last year? Have I been giving you political answers? Is that what you've been hearing? No, from no, no. When I uh, when I was like, what's the Man City? What's, what's the worst <laughs> Man City memory? And you managed to get out of that beautifully. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate the props. <laughs> Uh, worst memory of, of this past year, it, it would be the, it would be the, the tail end of the Nuno era on the whole, right? Because that felt before, before you knew Conte was coming in and you knew that Nuno wasn't working out and everybody knew that was the wrong hire from the beginning, but it's like, you're stuck with this guy. Um, that's not a good feeling, you know, because of course you love your, your team. You want to see things go well. Um, you see players who you really like and you know their talent level, but they appear to be broken. Um, but it just doesn't make sense and doesn't add up. Like that feeling kind of despondent, you know, kind of uh, definitely challenging and certainly not fun. Um, there are there are matches that would be like individual examples of that for sure. But I, I guess I want to focus more on just the, the general feeling of like something that wasn't going the way that it really, really should because of the circumstances. And uh, Nuno losing his spot at Wolves and ending up at Tottenham, him failing up was very weird. Right. But- as a fellow Brown person, I have to fucking respect that, you know? Like, Fair. That's that's breaking barriers. That's like white people shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, you're spot on with that, man. <laughs> I, I I cannot dispute that one bit. But, but yeah, it was weird, right? Like, he, he did fail up from a coaching standpoint. But, yeah, I loved seeing him have the opportunity. And he came in saying all the right things. Like, he, he made an effort to connect with, with, with fans in the beginning. But then the football started. And then it all it all fall apart or fell apart, and that was the challenge. And I think one of the, I mean we can obviously speculate all you want, but I think one of the reasons why he failed is his the teams that he works well with uh, are kind of like the grinder teams. And like yes, you guys are a grinder, but there's like an elegance to the way that you guys grind. And he kind of is just like survived by any ways possible. Like uh, mm-hmm. Unai Emery is very similar. Like he changes game, uh, the tactics per match because some games he really just has to survive. Like what he did with Villa Royale this year. Like some of those matches literally was just like, let's just sit back for the 85 minutes and then the last five minutes, let's give him hell and somehow find a fucking goal. And yep. That works with teams who have that grit within them, who have those people on a team who have chips on their shoulders. Uh, when there are players who like Harry Kane, he's like, no, I'm the fucking shit. I got this son. He's literally a god in his area. Like, uh, it's you need someone to kind of come in there and kind of like smack him around and be like, hey, this is what you guys need to do. You guys are being a little too posh. Like, let's figure this shit out. And Deontay, yeah. he's the right guy for that. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and we had the players to do that. We didn't have all of them, but we had the players, but they just didn't have the mentality and, and they hadn't been, uh, they hadn't been coached in that way in a long time. So it, it took some time to recover, but by the end of the season, you saw, um, you saw, you saw a team that's going to make some noise next year. Okay. So, uh, season it's over. We are where we are looking back at it. Uh, if it was betting, uh, did the Spurs were they did they hit over? Did they hit under? Did they push? Did they like expectations wise? Yeah, so my expectations, um, my expectations at the start of the season, I was just picking a European spot. I thought they'd finish somewhere fourth through seventh, which you could call you could call that a, a pretty weak call, right? Like a, that's kind of hedging your bets, especially when you look at eight and below who's there. But um I was pleasantly surprised. I think Spurs slightly overachieved. I think Spurs this year probably should have been a Europa League team, but um, you know things things worked out differently. And um, I suspect we're going to start to talk about transfers and off season a little bit. I, I think I think that is leading towards uh, a a good Champions League run next year. Um, we'll see where it goes. And I agree with you. I think the moves they're making. They are sitting pretty to do some trouble. And the reason why I placed Tottenham second in my rankings, it's, again, more uh, team dynamics. Mm-hmm. It's Liverpool, whatever's going on with this whole, like, Mane, Nunes, like, all this nonsense, it's going right. to affect the locker room. It is. Like, we haven't even gotten a solid yet. We still have to handle, like, all the solid nonsense that's going to be happening this season. Yeah, you're Uh, right. Chelsea and their owners, that nonsense. I don't think they're going to get the financial support that they think that they're going to get. United, they're still trying to figure some stuff out. Arsenal still trying to figure some stuff out. So it's like, who are the people who are in the best situation to succeed? And... Manager wise, that always that means a big thing, and mm-hmm. I always say I, I guess I give it more credit to your manager than to your team. And also, as a U.S. fan, I don't really like that Spursiness. The, the, I don't <laughs> really see that as trouble. Like I don't like no. Like they have to break through it. Like City, there were a lot of things, and so something very similar. Like not shooting our own selves in our foot. Like City had to break through that, and. Mm-hmm. I think City did that, and like we still have our own hump at like breaking through the Champions League final. Like we got true we into the finals, we get into the semis. We're true. Like, it was step by step. First, we got in the Champions League, then we got to the quarterfinals, and then we got to the semis, and we were stuck in the semis for we were stuck in the quarterfinals for a while, and now we're just like stuck at the finals, and that's a good problem to have because there are so many teams who would give their kidneys to just like touch knockout football. In the Absolutely. Absolutely. You got that right. All yeah. Right, so off season. Oh, what were you going to say? No, you know, you're just making me think with your, your comment about breaking through. Like, if you're not going to break through with a manager like Pep, or you're not going to break through with a manager like Conte, you're not going to break through, right? Facts. Like, that, that, yeah, that's facts. So I, I think it's, it's a, it's a really interesting point. And when you look at the, the next year, I, I like that second place prediction i i'm with you on liverpool you do (laughs) i do i do but but let's be honest you know um first through fourth well first is what it is and 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 to to win the premier league is a is a big deal but the other three um 
it's the same outcome, right? And I'm not minimizing second place over fourth, but would certainly take that. I, there's something in the water at Liverpool that doesn't smell right, and I'm okay with that, but it's going to be interesting to see that play. And uh, I would love to see Spurs just in an opportunistic moment, you know, not wishing not wishing ill on your team, but I'd love to see Spurs positioned where if, like, something happened with, with City from an injury standpoint or just from a – from a vibe standpoint where they're ready to pounce like that, it'd be fun. That'd be, that'd make for an exciting, exciting season overall. I do. (laughs) I do anticipate Chelsea. Um, You know, all the stuff that there's a lot there, right? There, there, there's a lot. That's a whole separate podcast to talk about what's going on. there. But I uh, see tomorrow I'm recording with a Chelsea fan. So I'm actually very excited. I see, you know, there's no way that can't affect them. And and Tuchel's an amazing manager, but there's no way that that can't affect their players and affect their strategy moving forward in terms of how they construct their team. You know, they, they, they kind of persevered through it this spring, but uh, I, I I see some struggles on on the horizon for them. So I'm I'm with your second place prediction. I like it. Uh, Off season moves. So uh, you don't even have to, like you, uh, you probably have names that are moving in the rumor mill, uh, but moves that haven't been made. What are you expecting? What are you hopeful for? At least like positional moves that you feel your team needs to make. Yeah. Um, well, first I want to I want to tell you I hate ITK. Like that stuff drives me crazy, um, <laughs> and it drives me crazy because it's such nonsense. And and like how many times will I be flipping through Twitter and you read one report about what's going to happen according to one guy. And then the next thing I look at is a contrary report or a twist on yeah. the report mm-hmm. I just read. It's like, all right. And until I see them holding the shirt up, um, like actually holding the shirt up, not the, not the Photoshop version of it, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll not get too excited about it, but, but truthfully bringing over Parasic, who's a, who's a, a two footed uh, left wing back from, from enter. He's skilled. He's old. He's 33, but but he's a beast, and he's going to be really good to, to support Ryan Sessegnon and have a have a nice pair on the left side. Um, we brought in a backup goalkeeper who's also old, Fraser Forster from Southampton. I actually like that play. I was talking with my Wicked Spursy guys last night about this. You know, we were lamenting like, should we be bringing in a younger keeper so that he can be mentored under under Hugo Lloris and kind of be the next great thing? And and my take on that is. Yeah, but if Hugo goes down, you want somebody Premier League ready to get in between those sticks. And uh, I'd, I'd take somebody like Forster, who knows what he's doing, buy a keeper later. You know, go go after somebody who's who's got the skills um, and spend the money later on. Today, uh, rumors broke about Basuma from, uh, from Brighton, who's a stupid talent. Um, yes. At the same time, you know, there's some potential baggage, you know, hanging with him. And it's like, all right, how do you even – I'm not even going to really like wade into that until we see how th- some of that shakes out. Um, Jed Spence, who is a, a talented wingback as well, uh, played for Nottingham Forest this past year, got promotion, but he's a middle, Middlesbrough guy. That's rumored to be close to the finish line. That'll be really exciting. If, if I'm going further, we need another another uh, defender, another central defender for sure. Um, we need, of course, we need a backup striker. You know, Spurs have traditionally struggled with this. We've got some talented kids, but they're, they're kids that need loans. Troy Parrott needs another loan. Uh, Dane Scarlett is, is a, a superstar in the making, but he's 18. He needs another loan, right? Look, we need another, not to go back to the, to, to this guy, but you need another Fernando Urente, who is a veteran guy who's content to be on the bench 
and willing to go get that time on the, on the pitch when Kane needs a spell. But um, we don't have that guy, and we've struggled with that. So that'll be interesting. So, yeah, striker, uh, could use another winger, another central defender. We're, we're shoring up the midfield. We're, we're starting to build that team that has real quality too deep in every position, and, and when we get to that, I'll be very, very happy. about the it's i got killed on twitter because uh i was like it's all rumors until i see that photo with Farron soriano it's all rumors like absolutely i don't i don't care what the players say like until it happens it's all rumors and and the person's like people are just laughing but these people are said to say that hey like as city fans how many times have we had the okie doke like, yeah, come on now. Like, yeah, come on now. <laughs> like, I'm not being ridiculous. Like, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. So it, it, it drives me crazy. So many people passionately live with that stuff. And I, you and I both know that's about clicks and that's about putting money in somebody's pockets other than mine. Um, yeah. So I, I, I choose not to contribute if I don't have to. That That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Is it fun to banter with? Sure. Um, like when things first get announced, I'll give my take on it. But, like, we're on day, like, 22 of Calvin Phillips to City. Is he not? Right. Or is he not? Uh, right. Varela, like, stuff like that. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's uh, why we really haven't done a transfer pod episode, because all we have technically is Holland. Like, technically. Right. So it's like, right. you just want to talk about rumors, and we technically already have talked about all of these transfer rumors. We've done it our last or pots. We did it weeks before everything started because we knew that this was kind of what was going to happen. So it's kind of nice to like talk about the buildup before it gets to the shit show that it is now. So when something, hopefully Monday, hopefully by Monday, it's funny. I'm going to cut this part out because <laughs> this episode, well, just because of the fact that this episode isn't going to drop for weeks. Because <laughs> this is uh, the sixth, seventh one that I've done already, and so you've been, I, I've been, you've been stacking them up, haven't you? Yes, and yeah. so I am. We're the point. We're trying to drop an episode every like four days, basically. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. just so we just stay in people's memories. Our social media stays in people's memories, and uh, it's helping all of our previous episodes. Like sure, every single yeah. time a new episode drops, it, the next previous three episodes get bumps. And so that's all we're trying to work on is just getting that content out there. So like if we do take a break, people are like Jones and for us, like we're heroin. So like, that's, <laughs> very, that's kind very, of very point. good. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, final question of the episode. All right. You get everyone you could ever want every position that you would like to get covered is covered. Uh, how do Tottenham fare throughout the season? The end of the year, how, where do you see Tottenham placed? You know, so like there's 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 checkpoints in the season, right? Like, so I'm thinking about the cup competitions, uh, managing Europe and the and the Premier League. Um, also, what's on my mind with that question is, you know, Conte is notoriously not that great at managing the midweek competition. So there's something interesting to that. If, if you really wanted to dig in on Spurs, you could look at their 
their their marked increase in productivity and improvement aligned with when they got unceremoniously booted out of the Europa Conference League because of like crazy COVID shenanigans because of the other team not being available oh, and, yeah. and all that, right? And so all of a sudden when Conte had a whole week to prepare, like we we were coming out and, and making noise, right? So um we all know there's a real challenge to multiple two three two three matches a week and that's something that I am interested in watching. So with that, um, I would predict we might not fare that great in the in the Carabao and the FA, um, and I'd be okay with that. I would love to see us make some noise and go really deep in Champions League, and I think the team already has the talent to potentially do it. This team is more talented than the, the team was in 2019 that made the final. Um, there, there's definitely more skill there, and, and I think a better system. Um, I think the, the Premier League is the toughest one. You know, that, that's a that's a fight and it's a long fight and there's a lot, there's a lot of big dogs at the top, you know, ready, to, ready to go. Um, so I, I think we'll be top, top three in the league. I feel pretty solidly about that. I'd love to see us make it to the semis, at least in champions league. And, um, you know, we'll probably crash out of some cup competitions early, maybe to save a little bit of time. That's kind of my, my early prediction. Oh, Why did I get applause on that? Could you like that answer? Or that's just you getting me out of here. What is that? Oh, you're muted though. No, that was that was me. Uh, just yeah, congratulating you. I mean, you're saying good <laughs> job. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to now uh, be nice and you know connect and you know follow people <laughs> because you know when the season starts, I just I turn into an asshole. So it's like I'm trying to get all the brownie points I can now. So nice. like season starts, nice. and we end up having to face Tottenham, and I say just like some just awful shit about Tottenham. You're just like, oh, he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, but I but I remember Dave. I like that guy. Hey, he was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying you guys like when if you guys like ever see my tweet pop up and you if we're playing and you, you see me saying not positive things about your team, you won't be angry at me. Well, at least not so angry at me because you're like, hey, we had a nice pot episode once. So no, like, we're, we're buds now, man. It's all good. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is the part where you plug yourself, plug your pod. Uh, go ahead and let people know where to listen to your podcast and where to find you guys on social media. Yeah, thanks, man. So, um, yeah, once again, so I won't, won't plug myself that much, but our pod is uh, called Wicked Spursy. On Twitter, we're at Wicked Spursy. And uh, we, we tend to publish about once a week during the season. You know, usually usually on a Monday night or Tuesday night, we'll uh, we'll get the get the pod out. I would I would encourage anybody listening to Shades of Blue, give us a listen. Uh, we have, uh, you know, even though you're not Spurs fans, I get it. But I'll tell you what, I've listened to. I've listened to, to Crunk and his guys a few times now, and it, it it's fun and it actually feels very familiar. You know, like we mm. we start out just talking about ourselves, like checking in, what's going on, how you been, what's up with the family, and then we get into talking about the football club we love, and then we we kind of rip into each other a little bit and just you know have fun together. So if you want to give us a, a listen and a shout, we appreciate it at Wicked Spursy, and yeah, Crunk, it's been fantastic to be here, man. I really do appreciate the the opportunity. Yeah, no, I've, it's been a complete pleasure, and that's been nice. Uh, we just recently dropped our United episode, and he's a friend of mine, but he is obnoxious. And so <laughs> it, 
I just literally, I just laughed the entire time. Like there were moments I had to like cut my laughs out because nice. he's just so ridiculous. You can't get angry with him because then he's just like, oh, I got you, motherfucker. Now let's pour some gasoline on that. Right, like, right, I, right. I felt he kept making fun of uh, how short City are, and he got me. <laughs> <laughs> bit, like I bit into it, and so ever since then, the ever since then, he just kept poking at how short our team was, and I'm like, Yeah, I never thought about yeah, that. No, why are you yeah. doing this? Like, it's because he he saw a weakness in my eye. He saw that glint, and he was like, All right, there's that button. I can just push the fuck out of it. Did you and just maybe, talk about? Did you talk about Harry Maguire and his giant head? Did you did you go there, or what'd you do? I kept it pretty uh nice i just wanted Good, to let him talk well because he's he's kind of hard on he was hard on the team he doesn't mind harry Maguire, but he also thinks harry Maguire is the number two he doesn't think harry Maguire is like the man he needs someone solid there to like yell at him when he's fucking up which is often fair yeah i get it <laughs> but uh appreciate you uh hold on what, what, here's that all right so that was the and that was to what am I trying to say? And represent. Yeah, and we yeah. are at the end of represent with Dave. Man, uh, you guys know the vibes. Uh, follow us on the social media, Shades of Blue Pod on Twitter. We have a YouTube. We have a Twitch. Subscribe to those things. Share our stuff. Use the hashtag Shady Gang to let us know your family. You know the vibes. Shady gang, shady gang, shady gang.